Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Bloomberg Intelligence Tech Disruptors podcast. My name is Anurag Rana, and I'm a technology analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, Bloomberg's in-house research arm. We're delighted to have Amit Bendov, co-founder and CEO of Gong, as our guest today. So, Amit, let's start the discussion with a bit of a background of yourself and Gong. You know, how did you get involved in the tech space and what led to the formation of Gong? Um, well, how much time do we have? Uh, so I was actually, uh, I was a good math student, but never saw myself like in, in technology. I never even like had like a computer as a, as a teenager. Uh, but I actually started uh, started my career in an AI company. Uh, I was like uh, in the 90s. So there was a period where like, AI was like involved with neural networks and and. Uh, and I started with a company called Click Software that is now part of Salesforce. I was one of the founding team members and wrote the code. Um, and that was like an AI software that uh, did mobile workforce management. If you uh, want to have like uh, the cable guys coming and install your uh, your new uh, uh, setup at home or whatever fix, right? That's a pretty complicated problem. That's what the, that's the uh, uh, product that we've used. And then like AI became like a, a little bit like a out of mind or something that they did the, the, the uh, traffic like uh, uh, disillusionment, right? And now it's like back in vogue. Uh, so I actually started with an AI. I wrote AI code like uh, in the nineties. And then I moved to uh, marketing, sales, and uh, product roles in a number of companies. Um, I got the idea for Gone where I was the CEO of a, of a software company out of New York called Sysense. And I realized that um, we don't know uh, almost anything about our customers. We rely on CRM, but CRM uh, relies on information that people put in. And they only put in like 1% of the information at best uh, because, you know, in an hour of conversation, there are 6,000 words. What ends up in a service like 30 words, like at, at best, right? Then there's like emails, there's body language, there's other things, right? They don't have the time to do it. They hate it. And obviously, it's very filtered, right? It's what they perceive that happened, which is like often far from reality. I wanted to know... What is really going with our customers? Like, why are people buying? Why are people not buying? Why are some people successful? Some of our other people are not successful. Uh, what do people like about the competition? What do they like about us? Right? Those are not exotic questions. Those are like the basic questions of every business. And the answers cannot be answered by a CRM system or by people. So um, around 20, late 2015, early 2016, I had this like outrageous idea that AI can solve the problem, right? So that was, uh, you know, the time where AI kind of beat the world champion in chess, right? And it was like starting to diagnose cancer better than doctor. I asked myself, how hard would it be for AI to report customer information better than salespeople or customer support people, right? That was the premise for Gong. Um, and uh, that looked like, uh, 
for most investors at the time, like a not so good idea. Like most people didn't believe that it will take off and most people did not want to invest. But now, uh, or even after the first or second year, people saw the enthusiasm for customers. People became like believers. And now I don't think that I need to like tell anybody that AI will change the game. Yeah, no, it's excellent. It's so funny you mentioned uh, um, a couple of examples. It was during that time I, I, you know, I cover IBM as well. I looked at the Watson Health and all the stuff that it was doing, and I got very excited about it. We wrote a, a bunch of papers on it, but you know, the, not a whole lot of revenue came out of anybody after that. So I'm, but I'm, all, you know, very excited about what's happening in the space right now as well. Now, you know, since our podcast is about disruptors. How would you define as to what space is Gong really disrupting? Or in, in your mind, is it a brand new space that nobody you know, had access to before? Yeah, it's a brand new SaaS. I call it like SaaS 2.0. So if you think of the first SaaS, first or the first generation of uh, business applications where people like, you know, PeopleSoft and Siebel and, and SAP, or maybe like on-prem application and have like a business process uh, pretty fine in them and 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 uh, help companies get more productive. Then came the whole generation of cloud companies like Salesforce and uh, and Workday and um, uh, that uh, helped the IT people, right? The mantra was like no software, which is true, but this is from an IT perspective. Right, uh, if I'm IT, there's no infrastructure. Uh, cloud is super easy and flexible. But for end users, it is still the same, right? If I use like uh, uh, Salesforce or Siebel, the experience is kind of similar. If I use like uh, 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 or PeopleSoft, it's it's it is kind of similar. I still need to enter the information. I still need to interface. So human interaction with the application uh, is is uh, you know, has improved, but it's it's fundamentally it relies on people. AI can change the game now that it's finally like no software for the rest of it. You think of applications like Gong, what it does, it overhears everything that's going on. It reads your emails, right? It listens to your conversation with customers. It it, it uh, listens to your texts, right? And it automatically understands what is going on and acts on your behalf. That's the ultimate uh, um, revolutionary, and it can happen like in lots of applications. Obviously, with customer management, but in in HR, in IT, in procurement, in security, lots of everywhere that people interact with uh, software, doing clerical work, can be disruptive. So I I think of Gong ultimately more as a DPO than IT. Now it's it's very interesting. So. You know, for somebody as novice as myself, tell me, uh, you know, if I'm running a company and uh, I have a CRM system, I have an HR system, I have a ERP system, you know, you come in, how do you maximize uh, my potential, you know, how to increase ROI and all those things? And then in that same vein, what exactly is revenue intelligence? Yes, so revenue intelligence is artificial intelligence for revenue teams. This is our, our, our first opportunity, and we're still not fully engaged with other areas like in, in, um, HR or, or project management others, but I mean, that, that's a future potential. But let's take CRM, for example, or customer management, right? 
There's a number that goes around that customer facing teams are spending maybe 25 to 35% of their time with customers. The other 75% is on drudgery. It's on updating systems and the one-on-one system uh, meetings. It's chasing customers, sifting through listing, binding data, it's researching. Um, it's stuff that they hate. And these people pay like six figures to do like clerical work. That's a massive opportunity. So I said, that's the 75% or, or seven year, you know what? Like 50% doesn't matter. Still, this is massive. That's our opportunity. That's or uh, anybody that uses AI can remove that things that, um, and if we can cut it by half or by a third or our dream is like to completely eliminate the drudgery out of work. But let's say we're half as successful. That's a massive productivity gain. No, I know I completely understand. I think all of us have a lot of our time that we waste in some of these uh, meaningless tasks. Completely get it. You know, I saw a video uh, on YouTube that um, talked about uh, LinkedIn being as one of your customers. That, that that bit surprised me a bit because, you know, it's a Microsoft company and Microsoft's all over AI right now. It's been, you know. So, so when, when they came to you, or for that matter, when any of those com companies that size comes to you, um, you know, why are they, why, what are they looking for that they can't find, uh, you know, in, in the current product portfolio that's out there? Well, we have to be at first, you know, it's admirable the, uh, uh, the, the shift that Microsoft or the speed that Microsoft is acting on the AI opportunity is impressive. And it's, it's pretty rare for, uh, for a large company to act that swiftly. So that's something that uh, uh, we're excited to see. And, and I love that everybody now is like uh, in the uh, race to improve productivity with AI, right? That's uh, something that we said like all along, we saw the opportunity and that's what we built the, the core competency. And, uh, and now like, it seems like every, every company uh, is looking to do something with AI. You know, for some it's like, you know, Twitterware and for some it's like uh, more uh, substantial. I think Microsoft's more substantial, but the depth of the applications uh, of Gong is is nowhere near whatever uh, whatever is out there. It comes with the prediction, like forecast your revenue. It tells you how to improve your revenue, and now it's like engaging with customers on your behalf. So it does like uh, uh, like a lot more than any application. The basic stuff, like you know, call summaries and call highlights and action items, and that's table stakes. Like every software is going to have that, right? We're not uh, we're not even counting as a you know, we think we do the best job, but that's not our core competency, and it's that's that's going to be start. But the deeper um, application for revenue teams, the workflows, the prediction, the uh, changing uh, customer behavior—that's what Gong drives in a strategic way. You know, one of the things that I always think about. You know, you had BPO companies that went into the back office functions and promised productivity enhancements. And they do very well in the first two years because there is so much of what I would call as low-hanging fruit. Now, in your product, when you know you go and install this in, let's say, a sales team with, with, with a particular company, I think the first two years you would have very substantial gains in productivity because people will understand what's the right way to sell it. But what happens after that, you know, year three and four, 
is you know is the investments that they're making in a software product enough for them to justify the ROI uh, going forward? H- how do you quantify that, or how do you convince them to keep your package? You know, after they've learned how to do things. Well, the uh, it's a great question, and and I'll ans- answer it in two ways. First, we have to keep innovating. First. For the one reason, there's always competition, right? If you're successful, other people will follow. And you ask about Microsoft, but like every company is not in a race or innovation with AI. And I always remind ourselves that we need to be like a, like a completely new company every two years. If we stay the same, competition will catch up. There are no moats, right? It's the, the moat is like run like hell, always be ahead of the game, reinvent yourself, find new problems to solve because like last year's problem, someone else is going to solve it like cheaper. And uh, uh, so we have to keep innovating and we have to deliver more value to customers. But the other things like, let's say that, you know, there is no competition. We're kind of this lazy company that does not want to involve hypothetically, right? Um, the business keeps changing. So the business our customers' business is constantly changing. They have like new products, new competitors, new all of that. So it's always on the move. It's not the same business that is kind of repeatable. So uh, if they launch a new offer, a new promotion, how is that tracking? Like, is it successful? Why is it not successful? So those insights and what you do with those insights keep changing all the time. So in summary, uh, our customers' business has always changed. We need to change all the time, uh, and it, it can never be uh, a standstill. Now, that's an excellent answer. In fact, I completely agree with you. I've seen so many software companies you know, go away because they think they found the magic potion and they are not innovating. Cool. Now, again, this is a brand new category for me as well to, to even understand the product. Who are your top competitors in this space? You know, when, when you go out and sell something, you know, who else is knocking on your, on your customer's door? Well, now it seems that everybody, uh, there, there are a lot, but, uh, uh, there, you know, we didn't look like much like five years ago. Uh, but there is, uh, you know, you're, you cover public markets, zoom in for one of them. They bought a smaller competitor, they're marketing, uh, for, uh, uh, all of their customers. Um, Altreach is another one that is kind of coming from the engagement space, uh, into our, our, our customers. And, and in fact, you know, used to be like a bigger company up until uh, 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 some time ago. Uh, so those are the ones we see like the most often. There's like smaller companies like Sales Loft that we see sometimes still private companies. And there, um, there are dozens like a very small company. Some of them, I don't even know their names. Some of these, oh, have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? That they, they could do like a, like a meeting note-taking or annotator or transcription, which, you know, again, not is is a fraction of what we do, but sometimes they you know they try to uh, come from the bottom. So yeah, there's competition from sideways, from from above, from below. Like there's no shortage, and I always tell my team that there's always be more competition, like not less. If we're successful, prepared, we have like more and more. That's actually like a very good thing. As long as we you know we have the lead, and we need to maintain the lead and keep looking forward keep finding new problems of customers that we can solve. Yeah, no, that's the magic of capitalism. If you're doing well, people will follow you. You should be worried if it's a technology company, people are not trying to follow you. That means you're not doing something right. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about macroeconomic conditions and how they impact your business. 
Um, do you see a slowdown? Did did you see a massive bump during the uh, during the pandemic uh, for your services, or you know, did did you see a massive pull through, pull forward? I mean, yeah, we we saw a pull forward, and and we're definitely uh, feeling a bump right now, and and all of our customers do. So yeah, definitely the headwinds are are, are felt, right? Um, you know, we're not immune to that, so we're slowing it. We're growing at a slower pace, but we are growing. Uh, companies are buying, waiting like hundreds of customers uh, every quarter. Um, and again, the the important part right now that that people buy for different reasons. Where before they bought to drive like growth, now they're looking to get more productive and to uh, create efficiency, both in terms of what the AI software can do, right? With the insights and visibility that you're getting to what is going on in the operation, but also the platform is now broader so they can, uh, and they can consolidate some of their IT stack around Gong, which is like a, a new thing for us and, and very exciting. Yeah, and are you exposed to any particular one vertical or geography? No. Um, well, I'd say the majority of our customers in North America, we've not started uh, a global expansion like in a vehicle. We've started like a year ago, and, and that's come to like a, a growing percent of revenue. Uh, we're not exposed. We have customers uh, in a number of industries. And again, what matters is kind of our customers' customers' industry, right? So if we have like a customer who's their customers, like is in aviation, right? Uh, in 2020, that was like a big deal, right? But if they're diversified, you know, they're they're kind of doing okay. Yeah. So yeah, now we we just we touched on this briefly before, but there's way too much discussion right now about generative AI. Um, perhaps how do you define this technology? You know, in your mind, since you have touched this topic for so many years. Um, you know, let, let's hear your views on uh, generative AI. Uh, first, I think, it, I think it's real, right? It's, it is uh, uh, probably like slightly overhyped for what it can do today. And I think it's like wildly underestimated for what it can do like in, in, like in the upcoming years. So I think it's real and it's helpful. And uh, we're excited that the... Uh, that it is here, and and I don't know if there's like a standard uh, definition for it, but basically it's a, it's a text conversion, right? You get like you know text A and then predict like text B that is like uh, uh, the output of that based and and the transformation could be like a translation, summarization, which is great for aggregating information, formatting, uh, rewording for those. Uh, it is very, very good, and it does a fantastic job. Uh, there are tasks where it's like not as as um, as good, and that's okay. It's not a negative. You just need to understand what the capability is not. For example, you know, it's not like super creative. Like it aggregates what what is kind of common knowledge or, or less common knowledge, and and you know, doesn't always come up with like a great new ideas or and. Uh, it is definitely uh, better than the average person. Uh, today, it's not better than an expert, like in any certain field, right? If I'm uh, uh, if I don't know anything about like uh, eyes, right? Then then you know uh, a large language model would know a lot more because they read everything that's out there, but they wouldn't know better than an expert like an ophthalmologist, right? 
No, no, I agree. For basic works, it's, it's really good right now. Now, I, personally, I can see rapid adoption of this generative AI in the consumer applications where the underlying data is easily accessible. So whether that's, you know, from the internet because you have every document that's out there or social media reactions. But but I do have some reservations right now if uh, if I want to deploy this technology across enterprises. And, and the single biggest reason for me is the disaggregation of data across multiple systems. Uh, very recently, we heard um, at, the, at the Berkshire annual meeting, the Geico CEO, the, the head of their insurance said that, you know, Geico, their, their uh, car insurance platform or the business has over 600 IT systems. You know, they're trying to consolidate that into 15, 16. So for me, the uh, enterprise use of this is still a little far away, uh, but I love to hear your viewpoints as, as you are probably working with a lot of enterprise clients as well. Yeah, so so there, uh, there are now uh, three or four issues that are kind of making it difficult for enterprise to adopt, right? I believe those will be uh, addressed like in the near future. So there is, um, first is like uh, uh, security, there is cost, there is speed, and the fourth one is uh, uh, accuracy or truthfulness, right, of the models, right? These are four issues that have created a challenge. Uh, security is already, I think you can get from Microsoft. Right now it's pretty secure. OpenAI is, is, it will be there. Uh, speed is sometimes a challenge, but that's usually at cost, is it, it's not. Uh, if you want to run it like, you know, billions of transactions, it's not cheap. Um, but over time, if you have the vision, like cost and, and speed with computing just uh, 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 tends to improve over time. Uh, truthfulness is is uh, is an issue, right? Because um, it's hard to verify the responses. Uh, there There is a, a good body of work on that as well. We are actually training our own models, right? So we use uh, some of the public uh, uh, domain stuff or training stuff like writing, right? Because it read like Tolstoy and and, uh, and WB Yates, right? Uh, but for if you want to like summarize a conversation or tell it where the deal is, what to do with the deal, we train on our, our customers' data. This never goes out to the clouds, to uh, public domain. So it is secure. It is vast. Uh, it is economical because we do it like in, in like uh, um, uh, on our own hardware, um, and most importantly, it's more accurate because it is trained on the customer data, and not on on Tolstoy. It uses on your customer conversation, right? So I think that's the approach that that will resonate. And there's probably like a room for hybrid model, people using like different models for different tasks. Yeah, but you know how how do you solve this data issue of um, data being present in disaggregated systems? Do you have to spend quite a bit of time creating a common uh, you know data uh, platform or a schema? Yeah, I mean you need to do it anyway, right? Let's say that you just forget AI, you just want to do like reporting, right? You need to have uh, a, like a, a data model. Uh, most companies deal with it, and and again, I don't necessarily. Thing that everybody needs to solve and have like one data model. Sometimes the, the task is so uh, hard that it's sometimes not worth the effort. You could have like multiple systems, even at, at Gong, like which isn't a huge company, you know, we have like multiple systems, right? And sometimes we run like a report from here and a report from there. And then if we need to consult it, then we consult them in, 
in Excel or in Google Sheets, right? Um, it's the same for AI. You, you need to understand what data should be used for training or uh, for reporting and then aggregated data. It's, it, it's nothing to do with AI. And then, you know, uh, one of the things we are looking at uh, very, very uh, closely is what governments are going to do around it. Now, yeah, you know, we've already seen Europe is uh, fairly concerned about, uh, do you think these um, will only make things worse for software companies in terms of rising regulation? Uh, well, it depends what, uh, you know, what was like... Uh, you know, socks. Was this like bad for companies or not? There's like, yeah, nobody likes like more regulation, but sometimes it's good because it creates uh, confidence. For example, GDPR, for example, we invest a lot in being GDPR compliant. It really like impacts like our, uh, the speed that we can develop, like uh, our, our overhead. But I think overall it's a good thing, right? Because it gives consumer confidence that they can be trusted. It implies best practices. And I think trust is key. So, uh, nobody likes regulations for the sake of regulation, but if they're sensible, I think there's room for that. And I, I don't think, uh, I think long-term is a positive thing. And just generally on the, you know, rise of um, AI in, in applications in general, um, a lot of discussion around the loss of jobs and certain categories. You know, if you were to lay out a case um, how do you think it's going to pan out over the next three to five years? And are there certain job categories that you think it will um, have a big impact on? So I don't think that uh, as a macro, we should worry about loss of jobs. I mean, there are people doing like, uh, you know, uh, horse carrier uh, drivers like a hundred years ago, right? Yeah, their jobs are gone, but you know, they or whoever their grandchildren are doing something, right? So there are people doing calligraphy, people like handwriting books, right? So every new technology eliminates jobs, right? No, nobody repairs shoes like these days, right? Uh, but yeah, people are employed. Unemployment is kind of the same. So I do believe there'll be new jobs that we're not thinking about, right? And every innovation, just like the uh, the railroad system or transportation, created like an industry that enabled commerce in a different way. And and I think that the internet helped build companies like Amazon and Netflix. This technology, the AI itself, is not like a huge business, but kind of the new business model or new trades or new possibilities that we're probably not even imagining right now. Maybe someone um, out there uh, as a whole. Uh, you know, uh, we'll find other things to do, right? Uh, but if you ask me what jobs can be eliminated, I think that uh, everything that is like uh, repeatable uh, drudgery, a lot of white white color, right? It's like uh, it's not necessarily people thought, oh, it's the, the people in the factories. No, I think it's like people like uh, like uh, healthcare, uh, legal. Contract reviews can definitely be done by by AI faster, cheaper. So, uh, a lot of these things, uh, market research, stock equity research, don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, yeah, I think people will still be like uh, supervising the work and editing the work, but I think that a lot of the work could be done right and. Uh, which could 
could lead to people finding like other jobs or maybe like, you know, there's a lot of time about the four day work week. Maybe, maybe if we can get like a 20% productivity boost, that's now a possibility in many professions, right? You just go and AI does the work for you and, and uh, you get the same level of productivity with less work. Yeah, no, no, I, I have to learn coding soon because I think it's coming for my job as well. Um, one of the things that's very intrigued me is when I looked at your data for, for your product, you know, it is ingesting data from massive big CRM systems, you know, the likes of Salesforce, HubSpot. Now, you know, these companies are also now running behind investing a lot more in AI. Now, as these companies or their product itself becomes smarter uh, to make those productions that, you know, p- perhaps your uh, product is doing right now, you know, would customers abandon Gong? What do you have to, you know, protect yourself from uh, that risk? Yeah, we, we saw it all along. So we knew that if we're successful, then, uh, you know, others will, will try to build it. Definitely the, uh, the big platform will try to make it like a, a feature of theirs. So there are three uh, three layers to Gong where we excel. First is actually most of the information at Gong does not come from the CRM. And we started a conversation like maybe like 1% of the information actually makes its way to the CRM. So mostly that in people's heads and in conversation, it's emails and all that. So Gong's over the year built a massive ability to ingest huge amounts of data that is not in the CRM. We actually enhanced the CRM. So we pushed data to the CRM that would never make its way because it relies on people. So Gong captures like 100 times more data than the CRM uh, to begin with, right? Uh, and we keep enhancing, we keep adding more and more. We want to capture like almost everything that touches the customer. So that's uh, that's one. So that's what we call it the reality capture layer. The reality understanding actually takes all the information and turns it from unstructured data to structured data. to understand exactly what's happening and turning it into a data warehouse, right? That has everything like, you know, thousands of parameters of like every customer and every conversation, every interaction, every deal, every account. And then the third layer is a reality application. And it's like uh, enablement, prediction, engagement of customers, analytics, strategic alignment of the company, all of these applications we keep adding. So, and we intend uh, to invest heavily in all of these. Uh, and, and it is very clear to me, if we sit still, right, we will be launched, right? So, you have to keep, even if you're, if you've built the category, like a, like a Tesla, right? Uh, they, they've proven the case. They've created the cult following like Gong did, right? But if they still would model three, it's like Ford, right? And, and GM will capture that. So they have to come up with a new product. That's, uh, well, I hope they do, right? Like a Cybertruck or, or uh, whatever it is, right? Uh, you have to keep innovating. And our mission is always like, you know, like years ahead of everybody else and they can copy and there's there's a market for that. But we do not feel that um, those are systems that will build like with an AI at the core. Born, Gone was born as an AI company. That's our core company. It's not, it's not a side business for us and it's not kind of a new thing. You know, you had mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, extending into other areas such as HR. Um, is that some of your new product areas that you're working on in terms of next phase? You know, if we have discussion, if we have this uh, discussion again a year from now, 
what, what can we expect in terms of uh, you know new features, new product layouts from from your your company? Yeah. So first, our, our focus is uh, is on revenue teams in the upcoming years. Uh, we are incubating a product for uh, talent acquisition that is like uh, looking very very promising. We already have. Uh, we found that our customers are actually using Gong for HR, even though it wasn't designed to do that, which is a the best sign. If users hack your system, that's uh, so that's that's a, a future product that we're working on. The what we're launching in in June, and I think this is by the time that this podcast will 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 air, is a new product called Engage. Right. So we spoke about the system ingesting the system, the telling, recommending what to do. Now it's a system that helps you that communicates with customer on your behalf. It sends email. It'll draft the emails. It'll suggest who to call and give you the contact information. Like super easy to engage customers, either for uh, a cold outreach, like global strangers, companies that you're trying to reach out to, uh, or to existing customer for retention. Uh, that's a very exciting. So traditional solutions uh, are, are workflow-based systems. So they have like predefined sequences, right? I'm sure you get those in your inbox that they want to say, hey, I'm... I'm so and so with this company. We help you like reduce your costs, whatever. And in a couple of days, they said another one like uh, just want to make sure you've seen my email. And the third one, last attempt, right? Uh, so those are our existing systems that are predefined on on workflow. Gong is an AI product that actually looks at all of your customers and what they're saying and thinking, and comes up with actions that are best suited to uh, get them to talk to you, to respond to you, uh, and to uh, use the best practices with the company, right? So it's a much smarter system that creates a better user experience because everybody hates getting those like bulk emails. Uh, so this is a product that I'm, I'm very excited about. The other that we have already announced is is the, the Gong Data Cloud. So as I said, Gong is ingesting uh, an insane amount of data. But up until now, you had to use the system to uh, capture all of this data or to analyze it. Now we're allowing customers to uh, export it to systems like uh, Snowflake and uh, or other data warehouse so they can marry. You mentioned about the integration challenge with enterprises. So they can uh, do whatever they want with this like uh, wealth of information and make uh, strategic decisions with the data. No, I completely agree with you, which is, you know, I, I normally struggle with this data integration part quite a bit. You know, from that point, do you use, um, uh, you know, you have your own infrastructure or you uh, work with uh, one of the, the, the cloud pro or the hyperscale cloud providers for, for your backend? Uh, we use the data provider. We use, uh, we use Amazon. Uh, we use Google for some cases and we use like uh, Microsoft or others. Oh, excellent! I mean, that's, that, that's a great point. You know, what's your, uh, you know, what's your take on, um, you know, the, I, I guess the existence of an on-premise environment. You know, ten years from now, I mean, why, why should anybody have their own data center? Um, I mean, I'm, you have seen probably the benefits of all sorts of different cloud providers right now. Well, it's still interesting. Uh, so until two years ago, I would say definitely like, I mean, there, there's still, there still people using mainframes, right? So yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it'll never go away. And there are applications where it does make sense, but I think those are growing. I did see, I'm starting to see, and I'm not sure how prevalent it is like anecdotal, 
people are like, okay, let's go back to on-prem just because of the economics. Uh, cloud bills could be like pretty expensive. And if you're in a growth business, then okay, like you, you, you don't care because the flexibility of cloud is, is, is incredible, right? But maybe people go to like uh, run their own infrastructure for if there is significant cost saving to be made. Uh, but uh, I do, I am betting on the cloud trend to continue. Yeah, no, we are on the same page on that. What other emerging technologies are you most excited about as you are, you know, reading all different things that are happening right now? Well, I think AI is by far the biggest thing that is happening right now. It's it's a, it's as big as as the internet. It's as big as yeah, it's probably bigger than social. Maybe like a little bit bigger than the uh, than the. Uh, uh, the internet itself. Uh, obviously, the internet is required to make it possible with all this uh, uh, knowledge basing. But I think, listen, we've we've made um, in the last like five hundred years, right? The humanity made like a huge leap, right, from discovering kind of the basic laws of Newton to like missions to Mars and understanding how the you know, or partly how the universe works internet it's just just insane and all of that is because um our intelligence right that's our as a species that's our advantage and also the ability to share information and or, or kind of the meta brain or, or the uh, uh as a community right the invention of print and other communication uh, methods right that was like a huge advance like imagine if you put these two together and take everything that was accomplished like in five in five hundred years, and you get something like more intelligent, or at least for mission specific, this this could be just unimaginable, right? So it's hard. Um, I, I hope I'm not doing injustice to anything else, but it's by far like the biggest thing that changed the world dramatically. It's big, it's definitely bigger than the iPhone, bigger than social media, it's bigger than things, uh, probably bigger than the internet. No, that's that's a very fair assessment. Um, how do you grapple with the shortage of labor right now across um, across the globe? Actually, for software developers, for the you know a company's ability to pay them, retain them, um, you know, how, how do you deal with that? It, it, it's a challenge. It, it's a real challenge. Uh, I think we need to invest both first in, in educating people, training. So there are good the good news that now there's like uh, uh, everybody can learn anything, right? The information is freely available, which I think is a is a great spot to be. We need to provide the uh, motivation to people to do it, and I think uh, that it can help uh, push the situation for AI. Maybe out of like a, of a need, right? If I can't hire developers then maybe I can get AI to do some of the work. Uh, and there, there is some evidence that it can rate like uh, as much as like 25% productivity gains. In, in some, not, some things are hardcore and difficult. I don't think AI is there, but there's things that are either only like a, a website or, or create some queries or reporting or, or data scraping that require an engineer. Those can be done way better uh, with AI right now. So I think to be like a big... Um, productivity boost for some of the areas of software engineering. Now, fair point, Amit. Um, we are uh, coming uh, towards the close of uh, our discussion. Uh, just wanted to see if there are any final words uh, from you about uh, this exciting opportunity for, you know, I guess the entire software space right now. 
Well, I, I think it is it is exciting. Like, uh, you know, we started this episode saying like how we saw like at Gong that AI could transform uh, the enterprise and the workplace, right? And uh, people couldn't see it. We're excited and now, especially in the last like three months, both the technology made a leap, but also equally important that uh, there is a belief. Now people believe that, yeah, this is real and, and can do some amazing work. And and uh, I can't wait for uh, the workplace like reimagined like uh, with AI. And uh, now we don't have to. We used we used to kind of hide like the AI piece in a marketing message. Not not hide, but uh, it was like second or third level. Now we don't need to hide it. We can talk because it doesn't scare people. Say, yeah, this is this is real. It's not science fiction. It's actually happening. So that's very exciting. No, no, great. Uh, Amir, thank you for taking the time. Hopefully, we can uh, get you back in a year from now and uh, see what, uh, you know, developments your company has made and then how things have shaped up for the entire space. Let's do it. We have a date. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. My pleasure.